just thank you for your presence that's here. Holy Spirit, thank you. Just pray for everyone here. And I just thank you, Father, that they, they end up really, really liking me. Amen. <laughs> Okay, this could be a naughty morning, hey? <laughs> anyway, I think we've had an incredible, incredible week, haven't we? That for, who enjoyed the fast? You know, I, I thought, you know, th th there is something happening in our midst. There really, really is. Um, a funny story, um, Janine and my family weren't here on the Sunday before the fast when it was announced. So when I got home on Sunday and they arrived back and I just said to them, look, we're fasting and I, I forgot to tell them that it's juice and soup. So they were on water fast the whole of Monday <laughs> until they got to, pre or whole of Tuesday, should I say, until they got to prayer meeting. I was like, they're both like glaring at me, you know. <laughs> anyway, just got to do what you got to do. But, but we, we, we're in a season of taking ground. Even this morning was an incredible sense of us taking ground, you know. And we, we really, really are in that season. And the thing is, when you're in a season of taking ground, it is actually a, a call for courage. You don't take ground without courage. And so this is a season for courageous people to step up to the plate. It really, really is. It's not a season to step back. It's a season um, to, for courageous people to say, Yes, me. I love that song where, you know, where you'll, you know, say where Jesus and I'll go. That's, that's that, that, that line. That was, there was something on that for us as a, as a community. And I think that's what, what God is coming to. It's what you say, Jesus, I'll do. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever you want for me. And that's what we're coming into. And, it's, and if you're around in the community and you're chatting to people, there is this groundswell of expectation rising up. There really, really is. When you talk to people, if you've got an ear to listen to what people are saying, that yes, there's all sorts of things going on. There's all sorts of stuff going on and challenges, but there is a, there is a groundswell of faith and excitement and people beginning to figure things out and beginning to see things afresh. And I'm really, really excited about that. To just come in and speak into that. And even, even can I say this? Even in our country, I mean, if you had to read the news and listen to the general chatter, I mean, you could get depressed in about 35 seconds and just start, like, packing your bags and trying to book an air ticket to Perth or wherever you want to go to. But, but can I say this? If you've got ears to hear and eyes to see, what is happening in our country now is what we prayed for five and ten years ago was an exposing of lies and a setting in place honest government, and that's starting to happen. And the fact that it's all being exposed is just because of what, what we prayed for five years ago. And, and it's, it's actually good news. And, and what we need to be doing is praying for more of this to happen and for things to begin to set into place, good government to begin to set into place, so that the gospel can be preached and this country can be changed. Come on. Right. So um, we've been on this, on this series, this church has been on the series of Joshua and about taking ground. And 
it, it really has been, it's been incredible. And the, the story of, of Joshua is, is really is, is just, you could probably preach a year on Joshua. There's so much there. But what I want to just highlight to us, you know that the story of Joshua, of them entering in, is actually version two. It's, it's entering in Mark two. Because entering in Mark 1 didn't work out quite as well as Mark 2 did. And Mark 1 is when Moses, when they arrived at the promised land, we all know the story, we should know the story, but I'll just quickly tell us. And Moses sends 12 spies into the land, and they kind of come back, and two, Joshua and Caleb, have good report, and the other 10 have a bad report. And what it does it releases fear into the environment and it suddenly a whole lot of things go wrong and they don't end up entering in. They end up going back to the wilderness for 40 years. For every single day that the spies were in the promised land spying things out, they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Now it's a fascinating story because if you, if you compare the two, if you hold up the two instances together, the circumstances are actually identical. There's still the big guys in the promised land. There's still Jericho that's around. Nothing has changed in their circumstances. They haven't got an, a, a bigger army. There's nothing's changed about the Israelites, and nothing's changed about their circumstances. So it's like nothing shifted, yet everything changed. And the outcome changed as well. And that's quite dramatic. I think that's quite powerful. And I think it's something that we miss. We're looking for a change in circumstances, but actually there was a change in mindset that God did. And one of the things why they had to go 40 years into the wilderness was that God had to, it was a whole generation, he had to get rid of the slave mentality that they carried from Egypt and set them up for a new, uh, set them up as a group of people that could take what God had for them. Isn't that powerful? And I just want to sh show you just to, we go to Joshua 1, verse 16. So this is Mark 2. So Joshua's telling them, get ready, we're going over. And this is what, and then they answer Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Isn't that amazing, hey? And, where, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, we will put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And you just compare that with Numbers 14, so the, the people are kind of rebelling because the spies have come back with this bad report. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among these, who had explored the, explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored was exceedingly good. 
If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them, and their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. And we all know what happened then is that with that, the people wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb, like, don't you talk like that to us, you know? And so there's this incredible difference between the two, where the one, there's fear in the camp, they've heard the stories, they've believed the stories, and there's absolute fear. And on the other side, there's probably also fear, but there's a different response to that fear, and they're saying, we'll, we'll follow you, we'll do what you do, we're going to trust God in this, and we're going to go and do this thing. And that's the difference between the outcomes. Isn't it amazing? You see, the key difference is obeying God or obeying fear. Listening to God's word or listening to fear. How we deal with and respond to fear is a key decider whether we stay in a wilderness or we enter into a promised land. How we deal with and respond to fear is a key decider of whether we stay in a wilderness or we enter into the promises of God. And it really, really is important. And we can see this in, in Matthew 25. I just want to jump there very quickly. In fact, I'll just, I'll just talk about it. Matthew 25 is one of the famous parables that Jesus tells, and it's about the talents. And he gives five talents to one of us, the, the owner's going away, so he gives five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one talent to the third. And he goes off, and he comes back a little while later, and, he's, and he, he calls them to account for what they were given. And to the first one is five, he did really well, did something with it. For the next one, he had two, did something with it. And then to the one who was given one, the servant replies and says, I knew what you were like, and I was afraid. I knew what you were like, and I was afraid, so I hid your talent. See, fear stops us from stewarding what God has given us. And the same thing, that caused that person, that servant never entered into what the master had for them. The money was taken away, the talents was taken away, and he was cast out. So it's a, it's a principle that runs through the new, through the old, into the new, that we need to steward and deal with what fear, steward what God prom- the God's promises in our life and decide how we're going to deal with fear. So let's talk about fear. I have a couple points that I want to talk about. And then we'll wrap it up. Point number one, fear is not from God. And I'm not talking about uh, a fear of falling off a building if you're standing on the edge of a 300-meter building. That's, you know, that's, that's just common sense. You know, don't stand on the edge of a building. But a fear that stops you entering into what God has for you is not from God in Uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7, for we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control, or love, power, and a sound mind, whichever way. So fear is not from God, and the thing is, 
many of us have got so used to having a low-grade measure of fear in our lives that we, we almost are partnering with fear, and we don't even know it. And the thing, the call to us to be courageous is to recognize that fear is not from God, and I want nothing to do with it. I refuse to partner with fear. Fear comes from below. Faith comes from above. When we partner with fear, we take our hand down and we partner with the demonic. That's really what happens. It really is. So fear is not from God. The second thing that's really important to know, and this is powerful for our season, is fear is outside the door. Let me explain that to you. If you're sitting at home alone and the door's locked and the lights are on and the alarm is armed or whatever you do and you're watching telly, all is good. And that can be like a picture for you living your life. In a safe space, you know what's happening, you know what you're doing, all is good. Suddenly, you need to go outside to the bottom of the garden because you realize you've left something there and it's dark at night. And suddenly you have to un turn off the alarm, unlock the door, and now you start walking. And then it's only maybe 50 meters to the bottom of the garden. And suddenly what happens? <laughs> you start to hear things. You start to see things. It's like, it's like and eventually the, you, you're trying to walk thinking, oh, I can do this walking. And you're trying to act cool. You pick the thing up. You turn around. You're walking back. And then you just bolt the last like 30 meters. <laughs> you see... The metaphor is when you step outside the realm that you're comfortable, when you hear your father saying, there is a land that I've promised you, the moment you step out the door, you're suddenly going to realize there is fear. There is fear that I need to deal with. There are some things, it doesn't mean what we, we've misinterpreted that and think, oh no, there's resistance. I need, that's, I'm not in the purposes of God. Let me go back to my safe space. No, you see, Scripture calls us more than overcomers. The very thing of if you are an overcomer, that means in your history or some part of you, you have had something to step over, to overcome. It doesn't mean that life is going to be breezy. And I think we have this mindset that when I'm serving God and I'm doing the things that God's told me to, life will be easy. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of the goodness of God. When you're serving God and when you're obeying Him and when you're loving Him and you're in intimacy with Him, you will overcome the enemy and push back darkness. That means you will be engaged in warfare. That means you will see fear and you will see these things, but it means you've got to choose at that moment, do I listen to that and go back or do I know what my Father's told me and go forward? You know, it's a choice. So... Fear's outside the door, and we will all experience fear to different ways. The issue is not whether you have fear or not. The issue is how you deal with it, what place you allow it to occupy in your life. And there are whole heaps of processes, there are ways of living your life, getting enough sleep, doing all sorts of things that are profoundly helpful in dealing with fear. But the key decision we have to make, this is not from God, and I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to what my father has told me and step into it. Come on. I've got a little sub-point on this. Much of what 
is passed by as wisdom in the church today is actually opinion that is bowed to fear. So it's when you go to people and they will give you a perspective on something and it's actually their opinion that has bowed to fear and they often give us the safe thing to do or the safe one thing to do, but it's actually their opinion that is bowed to fear. We need to choose the two out of the ten to hear the word, because that was crazy. Go and attack these guys. They fortified cities. That was no wisdom. There was no earthly wisdom in that. And earthly wisdom is opinion with a little bit of fear mixed in that is bowed to fear. We need to hear people that are radical, that, have a, that want to chase after the things of God, and that's the perspective we need in our lives. So just be aware of that. And, and this is the, the real tragedy, is that if we don't see fear for what it is, and if we don't put it in its right place, which is under the lordship of Jesus, the fear will always cause the promises of God to be aborted in our lives. That's what will happen. And you see it, that's the picture here. They have this promise of God, this is what he has for them. This, he has this land for them, it's the promised land, it's flowing with milk and honey. He's even put people in it to keep all things nice and, and the grass trimmed and the, and the vineyards going. All they have to do is move the people out and they've got their inheritance. But they obeyed fear and the promise was aborted. It never came to fruition, never did the full nine months and was birthed. And so fear will always undermine the purposes of God in our lives. And that's why it's so important we see it for what it is and we put it in its right place. Right. My main point this morning is that fear is a liar. That's it. Fear is a liar. And there's a couple sub-points off that that I want to just help us process that and understand that. But when fear is speaking to you, it's speaking, it's the same as the devil speaking to you, and he is a liar. His native language is a liar. Fear will be lying to you. And the thing is this, it sometimes sounds so true. It really does. It really, really does. It sometimes sounds so true. So, what does fear lie to us about? Okay, we'll pull these things out. It makes the situations that we're involved in or the problems that we face much larger than they actually are. Suddenly you're looking at this thing and these guys are flipping giants. They are giants. We're like, no ways, we can't take them on. It's beyond our capacity. Remember, when you're operating in what God has told you to do, it doesn't need to be in your capacity, it needs to be in His capacity. And if it's under his capacity, then it's going to happen. Every word that he speaks carries the power to bring that word to fruition. That's what the prophetic is. That's what the scriptures, that's what his word is. Every promise of God in that promise is the power to fulfill it. So we need to be tied into the promises of God. And then it doesn't really matter what's in front of you. But if you're not in God's promises and you're on your own ideas, then probably it might. But the first thing fear lies to us about is that our enemies are a lot bigger than we think they are. 
The second thing, it makes us look a lot smaller or a lot less incapable. In the, in the eyes of the 10 spies, we looked like grasshoppers in their sight. So suddenly, fear comes along and it begins to speak, in a sense, to their identity. Who do you think you are wanting to do that? You are a mere grasshopper and they are giants. Anyone heard that before? Maybe in different language, different ways, but the essence of it is always the same. Who do you think you are? The question, the answer to that, the retort to that is always, I am my father's son. And that should be enough. So, makes our problems look larger, makes us look smaller, and this is a big one. Fear will lie to you and say the consequences of this going wrong are irredeemable. The consequences of this going wrong is so you want to step out and do something, you want to move countries, you want to start a business, and you, the next thing you just start, and you suddenly, before you know it, you've got, if this goes wrong, I am finished. I am dead. There's no ways I can do it. And so that's a lie from fear. It's getting you to look at this thing and putting up brick walls. It's just building a story in front of you that eventually you can't go because if this goes wrong, oh my word, I'm finished. I lose my house, I lose my car, I'm on the rubbish dump in somewhere sifting for food. You know, that's, that's where fear can take us. So fear always makes consequences of your actions, of your faith statements, of your faith steps look irredeemable. But we serve a God who redeems. We serve a God who redeems. The other thing that fear will do to you, it will always reduce your options. If you're in, in coaching and you're helping someone through a trauma or something like that and you, and you ask them for a solution, they will have no solution because fear has reduced their options. It's like, oh no, the only thing I can do is, is, is go back and live with my parents or they've got no options. That's what fear does, it reduces our options. And we see this in the Israelites, that suddenly their only option was pick a new leader and head back to Egypt. Cairo's calling, you know. And when we have the Spirit of God in us, there is always an option. There is always another way. There is always a way out. Because he knew what was happening before it happened. He knew what, even if you made stupid decisions, he, ma he knew what you're making. He always has a solution. He is the God who has solutions. So if you believe fear, you're going to pick a new leader, pack your bags, and go back to Cairo. And, and funny enough, that fear, the fascinating thing, what it did, it reinterpreted their testimony. So if you read the story of, of them coming out of Egypt, it's the most incredible, it's, it's a powerful story. Through the Red Sea, first they were given a whole lot of stuff. They went through the Red Sea. They had manna. They had the pillar of fire at night. They had everything for them. For them. And they, they just hear rumor. They hear story about big people over the river, and they're like, Cairo is better for us. Let's get back. I'd rather be a slave in Cairo than live in the land of promise because I've heard a story that they're giants there. And how many of us make decisions like that on stories that we've heard? They might be true stories, but we haven't taken the story 
to our Father in heaven and say, what do, what do you want me to do about this? And hear what he has to say about that. Because that changes everything. If he says the enemy's coming down and the walls are coming down, then you're okay. Not so. And so, so fear nullifies the testimony of God in our lives. When you're speaking to somebody who's fearful or who's struggling, and you ask them what's, what's good has happened in your life, they will have nothing to say to you. They won't know what to say. They, won't, they cannot go there because fear has robbed them of the testimony. That's why, that's why testimony is so powerful because it fights against fear. It, it counters fear. It counters a lack of faith. It counters all these things. So I feel like this morning, there was just so much, so much faith in the room this morning. And I feel like God was setting us up to make some decisions around fear. And if the band wouldn't mind coming up, that would be great. Because the issue really is, the question that's, that's sitting before us, is am I going to listen to what fear has been telling me? And can I tell you that that fear story might go all the way back to your childhood? And it's the same story wrapped up in different language all the way through. Or this morning, am I going to choose to hear what my father says about things? That's the decision that rests before us. Am I going to carry on the way I have been or am I going to step into my Father's presence? You know, when you're in the purposes of God, when you're in what your Father has for you, you're in the safest place you can be. I heard a story of a, of a, a British Army soldier, and I, I can't remember how I'm connected to him, but I, it's through a friend of a friend, and he did four tours, I think three in Afghanistan and one in Iraq. And he came out unscathed, um, it was incredible. And he, they bought a house in France and moved to France and he was kind of retiring and he was up cleaning the, the roof and he slipped off and fell and killed himself. And, and what I'm saying is that it's like the most tragic story that in the safest place, he died, but in the most dangerous place, he was safe. And I want to say to us, in what we might think is the safest place, without the presence of God, will be the place that will kill you. But the most dangerous place, with God speaking over you, the place of risk, the place of where you're stepping out, the place of where you're doing things, you will be as safe, as safe, as safe as can be. So I would ask us just to bow our heads.